Up World. Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. Listen to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me Thursday to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Today's episode is also the latest edition of our Mailbag Monday show, our weekly mailbag segment answering listener-submitted questions all episode long. We do this each and every week. If you want to get involved in a future episode, a future mailbag episode, there are two ways to do it. You can tweet at me. For now, tweet at Locked On Blazers. I'll explain that later in the show. But the the Twitter account you want to send a tweet to is Locked On Blazers. Or if you're not a Twitter user, you can email me. This is the best way to get in touch with me at the current moment. Locked On Blazers Pod at gmail.com. That's Locked On Blazers Pod at gmail.com. Like I said, we do this every week. So if you want to get involved, those are the two ways to do it. Without further ado, our first question comes from Dr. J, who asks. On Monday's podcast, you stated that the Blazers would have to face plant not to get the sixth seed. From what I'm seeing, the Blazers will likely have to win one of two games against Phoenix and Utah to get sixth. Do you really think getting swept on that two-game roadie would be a face plant? Dr. J, if you listen to my bad takes and repeat them back to me, I sound a little bit foolish. And I would say I sound pretty foolish on this one. To be clear, I was recording this during the prior to the Lakers game against the Suns. Well, it, I was recording it about four minutes into the Lakers game against the Suns. And then they played the Knicks after that. And I wasn't under the impression that LeBron James was going to be coming back. I thought the Suns, I thought the Suns or the Knicks could take one of these two games against the Lakers. But uh, Anthony Davis looked awesome again against Phoenix. And now it sounds like LeBron James is very likely to play Tuesday against the Knicks and then maybe not against on Wednesday against the Rockets. The uh, the Lakers after that play the Pacers, who are not very good, uh, and the New Orleans Pelicans, who will have very little to play for in the final game of the season, except, I guess, spoiling the, the Blazers or spoiling the Lakers' playoff chances. So I think you're right. If the Blazers go 2-2, two and two, or I guess 1-2 um, and two from here on out, they just I'm recording this Monday evening after they just beat the Houston Rockets. So if they were to win their season finale against the Denver Nuggets on Sunday but lose those two games, the Blazers would finish 41 and 31 and the and the Lakers wrapping up an undefeated trip if they if they or undefeated run to close the season if they were to finish 4-0 from here on out uh they would be 42 and 30 that's Knicks Knicks Rockets Pacers Pelicans for remaining for the Lakers and it sounds like LeBron James will play in some if not all of those games probably some uh they play back to back I can't imagine he'll play in both of those games but yeah I bet he'll play the Knicks and then not against the Rockets if I had to guess if the Lakers go 4 and the Blazers goes 2 and 2 then yes your Portland Trailblazers are going to fall finish 7th and losing at Utah who just lost tonight against the Golden State Warriors and losing at Phoenix who likely will still have something to play for and that something will be the first place in the Western Conference when the Blazers meet them on Thursday yeah that wouldn't be a face plant that was I misspoke I misspoke. Uh, at the time, maybe I was assuming the Lakers would lose a game and 2-2 two and two would get the Blazers in regardless. Um, I was wrong. Maybe that assumption, I got a little ahead of my skis there. That's not a face plan. If the Blazers lose at, at in Salt Lake City and then in, in Phoenix, those are really tough places to play against really good teams. Those would just be losses against good teams. Not a face plan at all. Thank you, Dr. J. Words matter. Thank you for checking me. Next question comes from Jacob G. on Hawthorne. Jacob G. on Hawthorne asks, Much has been said, including by you, about how bad of a matchup the Clippers are for us. 
It seems we are careening towards a first-round matchup against them. Surely it can't be as bad now that we have Nurkic and Powell in the lineup. Please give me a reason for hope. Oof. Uh, The reason I've been saying that it's a terrible matchup for the Blazers is because I sincerely believe it. Here's some numbers. Over the last two seasons, uh, when Kawhi Leonard and Patrick Beverly are on the floor, the Blazers have been skunked. And basically, Damian Lillard among the among the problems. When Pat Bev and Kawhi are both on the floor, I don't even think Pat Bev is that good of a defender. But he is a uh, he's an energetic one and one that gives a whole bunch of energy. Kawhi, elite defender. The Blazers um, have been outscored consistently, and Damian Lillard has struggled when those two are on the court. In 2019-20, the Blazers were outscored by 11 points per 100 possessions with with Dame on the court and also going up against Kawhi and Pat Bev. He had an effective field goal percentage of 41.7%. That's pretty bad. A true shooting percentage below 50% at 48.4%. If those numbers don't mean a ton to you, uh, Dame this year, his effective field goal percentage, 54.9%. His true shooting percentage above 60 at 61.9. But I hear you, Jacob G. on Hawthorne. You didn't ask about last year. You said, look, Nurk's back. Norm's here. The Blazers have a chance. And to that I say, listen, with Kawhi and Pat Bev on the court, The Blazers have been outscored by 33 points per 100 possessions this year. Their offense is below its league, below its its you know, top five in the league pace. Its defense is well below. It's even worse. Uh, you know, one of the worst, you know, bottom five in the league pace. It's like they're, they're worse on offense, worse on defense. And Dame isn't any good either. His effective field goal percentage, 37 and a half. True shooting percentage is up there towards towards about what it normally is at 59.3, but he's he, he doesn't shoot threes as well. Uh, the, he, the Blazers have just been, they have been skunked in those minutes. They've just been really beat up in those minutes. It's just a bad matchup. The Blazers don't have the right-sized wings to consistently guard those two, uh, Paul George and and. Kawhi Leonard and also score like if they if they go with Derek Jones Jr. which might even be the might be an okay decision uh, I'm not 100% sure it is but it's it's a per, it's probably the best one they have uh, you lose a bunch of offense by not having Norm on the court if you have to put Robert Covington on one of those guys he's a point of attack defender and not a helper so then you have to ask Dame or CJ to guard Paul George to let Rocco be a be a roamer and be at his best position well Paul George is going to shoot over the top but those are all negative things. You wanted hope. Here's your hope. The Clippers are a sleepy group. They're a sleepy team. Sometimes they just do not play up to the level they're capable of. They just and by sleepy, I just mean they don't. They don't always bring the intensity. They're kind of um, they're kind of sleepwalking through stuff because they know that they're talented. I think the addition of Rajon Rondo kind of fixes a little bit of that because of his intensity. Uh, I think the failures of last year and the addition of Ty Lue will help them fix some of that sleepiness. But if there's there, this is a team that is they're historically good three point shooting teams in in terms of accuracy and volume. So you. Can say you know what if what if the jump shooting fails do they have do they get in other you know if they have a, a bad shooting game or a couple bad shooting games where do they where do they get the rest of their offense but this is they're just really good and they're really long and I don't think the Blazers have the length and the strength on the wing to handle them it's an I, Jacob G I can't lie to you Jacob G on Hawthorne I got to tell you the truth it's just a bad matchup it's why I've been saying it Next question comes from HR, that's Archer FX on Twitter, who asks, who do you think is more important for us in the playoffs, Ennis or Mello? If we can only bring one of them back next season, and if we can only bring one of them back next season, do we bring back Ennis or Mello? 
So I kind of think it's mellow in the playoffs because I think traditional centers get played off the floor, particularly traditional centers that can't guard. Um, like Ennis has very little upside as a defender. Um, I think you're more likely to go small with mellow playing the four a bunch or even hit what, it, you know, sharing the front court with just Robert Covington and, and super small looks. Uh, I think shooting and spacing is more valuable. Uh, I just think mellow is, you know, individual ISO scoring as good as Ennis is on offense. It's um, he, he, he can't create for himself. You know, you have to pass it into him. You know, Mello, as much as it might drive you crazy, he can dribble up and get into his own offense on his own. Um, Mello is more valuable in the playoffs, if I had to guess. Uh, if I can only bring one of them back next year, I think it's Ennis. I think um, he's a better, he's just probably better overall. Um, his his fault his faults are more easily masked. His sort of strengths are more easily complemented. Um, I think it's Ennis, if, if you had to choose one of them. Next question comes from Omar Raza, at Omar Raza 4727 on Twitter, who asks, Dallas has got a pretty easy lineup, but we don't. How confident are you that we will make the fifth seed, and if we do, will we get past the first round? I have zero confidence that the Blazers will catch the uh, Dallas Mavericks, but, um, you know, Mavericks... Big game against the Grizzlies on Tuesday evening. At, um, depending on when you're listening, listening to this, it's either about to happen or just happened or happening right now or happened yesterday, depending on when you listen to the podcast. This, these things just, they sit in your feed forever. So there's no rules about this. But I'm recording this on a Monday evening. So they uh, big game tomorrow for Dallas against against Memphis Grizzlies. Their, their hardest game left in their schedule. If they win that one, I think it's pretty much over. Uh, Memphis has been scuffling. I think, um, you know, and Dallas is just, they're good. I mean, they just... Um, <laughs> They've really kind of figured it out in the second half of the season. And like you said, uh, I believe the language pretty easy lineup is what you're. Um, I'm taking to mean like a super easy schedule for the rest of the year. And they certainly have that, undeniable. And Blazers do not have that. Uh, Utah and Phoenix. Maybe when the, the season was ending, you always knew, like when the schedule first came out, you knew the end of the season was going to be against competitive teams in Utah and Phoenix. But who would have guessed? These are the top two teams in the West. Just uh, unlucky. It was all, They were always going to be, you know, playoff caliber playoff level teams in the West, but turns out they're the best two teams in the conference. Um, a bummer for the Blazers. I've, I have no confidence. I, I would say the Blazers are much more likely to end up in seventh than they are in fifth right now, as pointed out by Dr. J at the beginning of this segment. All right, let's come back in the second segment, answer more of your questions on this beautiful Mailbag Monday. But first, let's talk about Locker Room. You heard me mention it at the top of the show. It is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app's free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and, you know, sports folks in real time about your favorite team, about your favorite sport. I'm going to be hosting the Locked on Blazers locker room this week, Thursday, after the Suns game. We're going to go a post-game chat after that one. So uh, be sure to join me there. Just uh, make sure you're following at Mike G. Rich on the locker room app once you download it. And you can join in on the conversation. You can just listen in. It's like live radio. Or I can. you can even request to speak. I can bring you on stage and we can chat. It's it's a lot of fun. I have enjoyed using it. I, I bet you will too. Uh, you know, it's not just me on there. There's fans just like you who are having watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns. There's other team insiders. The whole Locked On podcast network is on there if you want to learn about another team. We've got hosts throughout the network joining a show each week. But like I said, if you want to join my particular show, this week it's going to be Thursday evening after the Blazers play the Phoenix Suns. Uh, it's just 
make sure you're following at Mike G. Rich on there. Join me. Uh, you'll have, we'll have a ton of fun. I promise. So go download the app. Like I said, it's free available on all iOS devices. Also in beta on Android devices. If, if that is the type of technology you use, uh, all you do is create a profile, link your Twitter up, join the NBA group. Uh, and then follow me, like I said, at Mike G rich, you won't want to miss it Thursday after the sun's game locker room, changing the way we talk sports. All right, let's keep it rolling on this mailbag Monday. This next question comes from oscillating fan at Malnati on Twitter who asks, does a, does a historic scoring first quarter for the Blazers do anything to cool down the hot seat of Neil Olshay? Thinking the Norman Powell acquisition has and other things raised this team's championship aspirations to a height we might not have seen in the Damian Lillard era. So you're asking me if a hot shooting First quarter in which they scored 50 points, historically hot shootings quarter where they scored 50 points against a really bad Houston Rockets team on Monday night. If that has an impact on Neil Olshay's job, unless it's like in an elimination game of a playoff, there is no 12 minute stretch that is going to impact uh Neil Olshay's job security. I don't particularly think his job is in jeopardy. I know he's gotten a lot of criticism from uh, the fan base and from media members. Like I don't, I don't think Neil has has been a perfect GM. I think he's pretty good at it. Um, but he's, you know, he's made some mistakes. See, like all of last season, for for example. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's, I don't think he's in danger of losing his job. I think he's, I think he'll be back. I don't think, I don't think that's a big deal. He sat there on the sidelines next to. Uh, Jody Allen, the team chairman today, um, uh, during the game, like he's, uh, I don't think Neil's going anywhere. Um, and no, there's nothing. There are no 12 minute segments that impact this thing. It's, it's a long season. Everybody involved knows it's a long season. I do think you're right that he's made this team better. I do think trading for Powell made this team better. I think trading for Robert Covington has paid off, um, probably almost certainly more valuable than those two draft picks. Uh, we'll see what he does this offseason to sort of take that next step. But yeah, I think I think the, I think Neil has made this team into a really competitive team. Are they a championship level team? No, and not particularly close to that. But they are, they're good. Like this is one of the good teams in the NBA, one of the top 10 teams in the league. It's just to be that next level, to be one of the top five teams in the league, um, it's, it takes, it takes some good luck and some really, some really shrewd moves. And right now the Blazers have just built a really solid team that I think that I think if hadn't had sort of the dip uh, in sort of the three quarter point three quarter pole of the season would have be in a much better position to win a playoff series but um they lost those games you don't get to give them back just like they didn't have to give back those close wins they don't get to get back those those close losses and uh they find themselves in it's just going to be an uphill battle I, I i don't see this team as a championship caliber team but i don't think it'll impact neil's job security and I sure as hell don't think anything that happened on monday night against a 16 win houston rockets team will have any impact either sorry that you had to get hit with the bishop bullwinkle malnod but someone always someone always catches it and this week it was you next question comes from dermot who asks do you think there is any chance one or more of ant zach or nas that's anthony simon zach collins or nazir little develop into genuinely impactful players that could raise the blazer's ceiling or an enticing trade to acquire another high level player well, ships kind of sailed on Zach. He's going to enter free agency, so um, he's not he's not going to be trade bait necessarily. And when he gets paid, he's probably not going to be on a long term deal, not tradable, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
Yeah, I think there's a chance that both Anthony Simons and Nazir Little develop into like solid regular NBA rotation players, like borderline starters or or better. Like I think Nas has the tools to be an NBA starter. I don't think he's he's not there yet by any means. I know a lot of people are clamoring for him to play more, but um, he's I don't think he's like an NBA starter material right now. Um, Anthony Simons is like a good a good solid third or fourth guard in the league like today, and I think he has a lot of room to get better. Uh, do I think they're gonna turn into like impactful players that that swing uh, a championship or whatever not really I mean I think it's always a safe bet to bet no on that but I think they can be good players and if you draft players in the 20s in the NBA draft and they turn out to be like rotation players you did a really really effing good job like that's that's really good the return on investment on a 24th and 25th pick to be you know guys who can contribute regularly in the league for several seasons is pretty good that's a good like that's that is the way that is as good as you can do at that spot in the draft i mean you can do better but like expectation wise drafting a dude who's like can contribute is uh, is relatively unlikely Next question is from GLK. Speaking of Ant, GLK wonders, what the heck do we pay Ant next year? He has shown the ability to be a three-year, 18 million dollar total guy but his defense being atrocious, I see it being more of a three-year, 14, 15 million dollar deal. Yeah, I think it'll be fascinating what they need to pay Anthony Simons. I, I don't know the answer to this question. I think it's GLK. I think it's a good it's a good one to wonder about. Um, you know, three for 15 seems a little bit wild for his age and his shooting ability someone will take a larger flyer on him than that um someone will pay him in the eight nine eleven million dollar range like he hasn't shown that he's that good consistently but some some team will do that if you know he was at 22 a guy shooting 43 percent from three with his athletic ability like someone will take a take a risk that is that isn't that so i don't think you're going to get him at at five million a year for three seasons Uh, i do think that's maybe sort of like what you would what his sort of if you put him in one of those uh john hollinger contract counters that's probably like what he's worth but that's not what i don't think i think he would get more on the open market um but it'll be curious right like he has shown to be like pretty okay uh, he's like, like I said in the previous question, like he's like a pretty good contributor, real weaknesses, not a defender, not a, not a passer, certainly not a point guard yet. Um, but he can really, really, really shoot it. Um, and that's a valuable skill. Like he can, and he can get his shot off on his own. And that's a really valuable skill. Like you can give him the ball and he can dance a little bit and then shoot 40% from three. Like he's, he's really good. He's in the 99th percentile in the league at, at, in catch and shoot situations. Like he's an elite shooter. Um, that's a coveted thing and he's young and people will pay for the upside. So, I mean, next year we'll determine it, but I think both three for 18 or three for 15 is way too low for Ant. I think he's I think he's making more money than that and and because he's making a lot more money than that or or, or at least more money than that like in the 8 9 10 plus uh, million dollars a year it, then it really you want to see him be worth it because you know you want you draft these guys you want to keep them but you don't want to crazy overpay or you know end up with a situation where you sort of regret it on the back half of the deal. Next question comes from Tyler Buckland at Tyler Buckland on Twitter, who asks, how confident are you that we will re-sign Norman Powell? Uh, I would say it's like a coin flip. It's like a coin flip. Um, you know, uh, I think they're doing, you know, according to my friend, Jason Quick, he, he wrote a long profile, Norman Powell and the Athletic. And, and in that profile, it, it seems to indicate that the Blazers are doing everything they can to make Norm feel at home. 
you know, they set him up with, with uh, a house to rent quickly. They made sure when he got to the house that it had all the, you know, the drinks and the snacks that he wanted, the kombucha that he drinks. And they got, they made sure his dogs got here safely and all, you know, all these things. Like they really, they really took care of him in a personal way. Like they're invested in him being here. Uh, you don't make that trade for Gary Trent knowing that Norm, uh, like thinking that Norm will walk. He might walk. You, you have to understand that he might. He's an unrestricted free agent. You have, he, you have no say if he chooses to leave, he chooses to leave. Um, you can go over the salary cap and with his bird rights and pay him and all that. But like, it's up to Norm what he wants. And does he want to be the third guard here? Or does he want, a, you know, a bigger slice of the pie somewhere? You know, he, he has been a third, fourth, fifth option on a really good team with the Raptors. He knows the value of being a complimentary part. He's got a big minute role here. Um, it's just a question of does he want to go somewhere and really spread his wings and have a chance to sort of be whatever the next step is and what will that look like for him? So I, I'd say as a coin flip, I would probably like if, if I had to like put money on it right now, I'd say like 49, 51, he stays. So like slightly, slightly, slightly higher he leaves. But like really, I think it's a coin flip. Next question comes from Scott at ScottPTB30 on Twitter who asks, Who's on your Mount Rushmore Blazers announcer? Bill Shonley, Steve Snapper-Jones, and who are the other two? So for me, I, like, I didn't grow up in Oregon. I grew up in North Carolina, so like, uh, Woody Durham, look him up, is my Mount Rushmore of announcers. Uh, shout out to Woody, time to go where you go and do what you do. But... Uh, so like I, I moved here in the early 2000s. So the voices for me that are like the Blazers are absolutely Brian Wheeler. Like absolutely. To me, that is a legendary voice. Uh, Wheels, first of all, golden pipes, um, incredible style, incredible vocab. Like Wheels is, Wheels is an absolute broadcasting legend. Uh, it's a bummer that he doesn't work for the Blazers anymore. It's a bummer that he doesn't have a job in the league. Um, so I, you know, Wheels is my guy, uh, for sure. He'd be, he's on, he's on the Mount Rushmore for me. And then I guess it's Mike Barrett. Um, like I, I don't, I can't say that uh, I have like a Barrett call in mind when I say that, but um, he was the voice of the television voice of the team when I got here. And he was, um, he was just a, he's just an absolute pro. The dude was an absolute pro. He was just, he was, he, he was a professional broadcaster and really sounded like it. Uh, Kevin Calabro is like someone that I developed a friendship with while, um, while he was here, but he wasn't here long enough to be on Mount Rushmore. And Jordan Kent has now called three real games ever. And I wouldn't say Jordan Kent's never called a real Blazers game. So let's get Jordan Ken a real game, get him in the arena with a with 20,000 fans and let him sort of get the juice, let him he's never sat courtside and, and got to call a game. Like he's he has not had the opportunity. So he's like he's an he's an NA for right now. Uh Calabro not long enough, can't not um just like literally has had too weird of an introduction to the gig to be considered. So Sean Lee, Steve Snapper Jones, Brian Wheeler and Mike Barrett. That's my that's my Blazers Mount Rushmore. All right, let's come back in the third segment and close out this glorious Mailbag Monday with more of your questions. But first, let's talk about rockauto.com. It's the family business that's been serving AutoBark customers online for over 20 years. And you can go to rockauto.com and shop for all the auto and body parts you need from hundreds of manufacturers. And while you're there, you'll see that they've got everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil, even new carpet. And whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you'll be able to get everything you need in a few easy clicks and all of it will be delivered directly to your door. 
Plus, the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate, so you'll quickly be able to see all the parts available for your vehicle, and then you can choose the brands and the specifications and the prices that you prefer. And best of all, it's the prices, because at rockauto.com, they're always reliably low, and they're the same for professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend it up to twice as much for the same parts? You don't need to do that. Instead, just go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box. That way, they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Today's show is also brought to you by the good folks at Bet Online. It's nothing else than the easiest, simplest, and fastest way to bet on all your sports action. And it doesn't really matter what that sports action is. You get the latest news, odds, and all of your sporting sports betting needs, which could be Major League Baseball, the National Basketball Association, the NHL, uh, UFC MMA action, the the couple triple crown uh, horse races that are coming up, uh, all of that and more available for you to wager on over at Bet Online. So uh, head on over there, check out uh, their sign-up bonuses and their contest information. Uh, this is your chance to get in on the action. Do not wait. Hit them up right now. And while you're there, make sure you use that promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So visit betonline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked On Blazers. And we're still cruising through Mailbag Monday, our weekly mailbag show. This next question comes from Adam M., who has a creative solution. And kind of a long email. I'm going to read it to you. But Adam's got a creative solution here for you. Is there any reason we never see a situation where a guy like Dame suits up but doesn't start? For example, this game in Houston is obviously important to win, but is one we should be able to take care of without all of our stars? Spoiler, Adam. <laughs> they really needed Dame to win this game. They all they damn near blew it till Dame came back in in the fourth quarter and sh- and slammed the door. But let's let's continue because I think there's some logic to this. I see a chance to give Dame a full night off and give Ant and Nazir Little a chance to build confidence. Would it be absurd to start Ant and Little and try to rest Dame and Norman Powell, who were both beat up a little bit on the last road trip, but have them suited up and ready to come in under preset conditions? If we get down by 12, for example, we get our guys in to regain. Cond- Control, or if we're not up by more than 12 going into the fourth, they come out and close the game fully rested. Obviously, they would warm up and stretch as expected to avoid injury. I know it's a bit unorthodox, but it seems to accomplish two things. One, giving an opportunity for guy guys who need rest going into the playoffs, the potential to not play a single minute, and two, giving guys who will see some limited but very important minutes some opportunity to play in a situation that matters prior to the playoffs. Adam continues with uh, this question, noting that guys like Nizir Little and Harry Giles have played really well against Scrubs and that Houston is about 48 minutes of Scrubs and that this gives them a great chance to build confidence. So I actually like this idea in theory, but uh, people smarter than me have studied the way sort of NBA rest and, 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 and bodies work and playing like limited number of minutes actually isn't, isn't the key. Like playing six minutes is not really giving your body the rest it needs to like fully recover you would need like 
several days off. Um, like the best would be like a full week off to like really get sort of deep tissue recovery. But um, the the like the difference in just playing a handful of minutes is not um, doesn't give you enough value. Plus, these guys would have to show up to the arena and get themselves ready, go through you know a shooting routine, get taped up, all of those things. Like um, their their body's not resting in that situation. But I do like I do like the creative idea of it, not as like a one off thing against the Rockets, but like what if the Blazers had eight of these days planned throughout the year. Um, I'm not a big sort of like, I'm not like anti-load management, but talking with Henry Abbott, who was a guest on the podcast last week, he's he's really in favor of sort of like responsible rest and like planning rest. And he's got me convinced that not like trying to sneak in these sort of scrub games, but like truly, truly scheduling a week off for Dame or, or four days off for Dame, like built into the schedule, not like wait till you're hurt, but like built in would be valuable. Uh, and I like the creativity of this, Adam. Like I, I, I think I think you're sort of onto something. The Blazers didn't lose this game because like Houston was surprisingly good. They won this, they, they, or nearly lose this game or whatever. Um, they, they struggled in this game because they scored 50 points, hit 12 threes in the first quarter. And then they were like, this team sucks. We don't have to try very hard. And they, they stopped with the necessary intensity to beat a group of, um, you know, NBA players, albeit a bad group of NBA players. Uh, so I think there's something to it that like even no Dame in this game, like a a more focused, more um, more sort of like intense Nazir Little and more intense Anthony Simons um, would have you know would have been more valuable than than kind of like a half-assed uh, regular starting crew, as it were. So yeah, I think I think you're onto something with this proposal. Um, I think it's better just to give guys straight up days off than this kind of like st- steal time for them. But I, I kind of like I, I enjoy you thinking outside the box here, Adam. So um, I I'm with it for the most part. I just think people sort of like smarter about the body and sort of like the, our, the physical rest athletes need um, suggest that trying to just you know put Dame in for the fourth quarter is not exactly resting his body in the way that it could be. But I, think i like it i like i like the creativity next question comes from cj lb's burner at justin p 1111 on twitter who asks i'm hearing rumors that kevin love has asked the Cavs for a buyout and wants to sign with his home team the blazers thoughts on this how likely do you like this move are you hearing rumors the dude was on mfing chris haynes podcast he was on a net large national podcast and haynes asked him about playing with the blazers and like um you know just why not stirred it up because he had the he had the pot to stir um thoughts on this kevin love's got more money on his contract um i i can't unless he gives back just a boatload of money i can't see him getting bought out like he's owed 31 million next season and then about 29 million the year after that like he's not he's he's probably not going to give up half of that money to get out of Cleveland. Um, he's stuck there for better or for worse. Um, I, I don't think I'm a big fan of the move. Like I think Kevin Love was good a few years ago. I'm not sure he's a good basketball player anymore. Um, I think it's severely unlikely. I don't like the move. And the thoughts on this was like, Chris Haynes had a chance to make headlines and he did it. He he got you. He got you, Justin. Um, I think it's just kind of, it's just kind of like weird timing nonsense, but um, you know, whatever. Uh, you get NBA players on the pod, you get to ask them crazy questions. So um, mad props for that one. Next question comes from Nathan who asks, I was wondering how it works in terms of teams like Portland being profitable profitable in non-COVID times. Are mediocre teams normally profitable? Is it better for profitability to be like Toronto who got their ring and are now out of the playoffs or like us who have been in every year? Uh, Well, Toronto had 
up until this year had like the exact identical playoff streak to the Blazers. So um, they're relatively comparable. Plus they won a championship, but in general, the way you make money in the, uh, there's two ways to make money like consistently in the league. One, get into the playoffs. You get extra gate from the playoffs. You can charge more money for the playoffs. You're going to sell out games in the playoffs. You can, um, you know, upsell other little parts of things in the playoffs. You just make a ton of money in that. Also, the other way to make money is be wildly popular and sign a massive local television deal. Um, that's what, you know, the, the Knicks and the Lakers have a distinct advantage there. Um, also sort of the per capita price on stuff in the arena is much more expensive in, in Staples and in uh and in msg but yeah like um you want to make the playoffs every single year it doesn't one one run to the finals doesn't sort of like uh you know make up for the following year you just want to be you want to be in and be deep in the playoffs every year like you want to be the celtics you want, you want to be a profitable team be the celtics next question comes from danny it's the final question of the show danny asks what is an ideal lineup that maximizes dame's skill set with the parameters, players sourced from the entire league, no other all-stars, throw trades out the window, just pull players onto the team, fits within the standard salary cap. The lineup can't be full of players on rookie contracts, i.e. future stars. Why? I think this is a good thought experiment because realistically, Dame isn't moving teams unless he asks for a trade. Hopefully this lineup sheds some light onto what types of players the Blazers are missing to maximize Dame's skill set. Then, even though the front office can't get the exact same team you put together, that I put together, this is you being Mike Richmond in this sentence, uh, they can look for players in a similar mold. What I see as team needs around Dame are defense, athleticism, length, ball handling to alleviate some trapping pressure, shooting because it's the NBA in 2021, ball movers, current team's ISO-heavy offense can be brutal, tough shots, and so predictable. So, I went to 538's build. 538.com has a build a contender tool where you basically take an NBA team and you can add players willy-nilly and just try to um, create a um, the team with the sort of highest chance to win a championship. And I created a team with the fourth best odds to win a title. The Trail Portland Trailblazers, a 15% chance to win the championship according to 538's metrics this is 15 percent chance is massive right like um just based on the way that the numbers work now uh only three teams in the league before i sort of started shuffling around had a greater than 10 percent chance to win the championship there were some you know solid playoff teams and there's like three real contenders uh brooklyn philly and the utah jazz according to way the uh 538's metrics work so i built this team i built the following team starting at point guard we're going with damian lamont ollie lillard Starting at shooting guard, Marcus Smart, uh, secondary ball handler, guy who's an elite defender, goes really hard and can play some defense, makes some crazy decisions out there, but is um, he's he's generally a positive on offense because of his aggression and his um, sort of multifaceted on-ball, off-ball skills. At small forward, we're going to start Tobias Harris. Uh, in this w- real w- weird world, I traded uh, I traded C.J. McGollum for Tobias Harris, or swapped him, I guess is the way it works. At power forward, we're going to start Robert Covington. At center, we're going to keep Yusuf Nurkic. That gives us defense, it gives us length, it gives us shooting, it gives us some individual offense outside of Damon Tobias Harris, and uh, some sort of aggressive ball handling or aggressive sort of driving rim pressure stuff from Marcus Smart. Then off the bench, I went with all length and athleticism. Off the bench, we've got Danny Green, 
Mikel Bridges, Kyle Anderson, Norman Powell were keeping, OG Ananobi, Cameron Payne, and Daniel Gafford. Now, that's this is kind of insane, and technically, as of next year, it will not work under the salary cap, but the idea is that I wanted to get a sort of all of the, without getting another all-star, because I don't actually think you can build a championship-level team without getting another all-star. I think that's that parameter negates the whole uh, the whole experiment, right? Like, um, let's build a championship level team with getting a bunch of B pluses. Well, you just don't have enough money and enough roster space to add enough B pluses to sort of change your championship. Like OG and Anobi and Mikael Bridges are not going to be the uh, ninth and 11th men off the bench for a championship team. They're just not going to do that. They won't, um, unless you draft them there and, and they have no choice, like they're not going to sign up for it and you're not going to be able to make the moves to make it happen. Uh, but the length of OG and Anobi and Mikael Bridges, the shooting of Danny Green, the versatility and ball handling of Kyle Anderson and his size, uh, the this the sort of just backup uh, water buggy point guard stuff of campaign, and the athleticism and range of Daniel Gafford comes off the bench and really helps this group. Um, I don't know that this experiments, this thought experiment, which I liked. Um, I've been holding on to this question from Danny for a little while. I like the idea of it because, like, the parameters make sense. Like, how do you build a team around Dame? And I think you, I think Danny nailed this. Like. Uh, you know, length, athleticism, some other guys who can handle the ball and take them off the ball and a bunch of shooting. That's what you need, right? Like, that's what you need. I don't know if you need, like, ball movers. Um, you maybe need less, like, true ISO guys, but um, you you don't, maybe don't need, like, a ton of playmaking if you just sort of have um, less guys who, less dudes who want to dribble. Uh, that's why getting, you know, putting Danny Green and OG and Anobi in there helps these sort of uh, less less dudes who need to pound the rock to score. Um, but I think, like, in general, you can't build a championship roster without two all-star level players. I think over the last decade, the worst team to win a championship was the Toronto Raptors. They had a top five player in in Kawhi Leonard. They had a perennial all-star and maybe the best player in franchise, just straight up the best player in franchise history in Kyle Lowry, an absolute winner, and eight of the best 30 defensive players in the league. Like, that's what you need if you don't have, like, the super top-end talent. The rest of the champions, basically since the Dallas Mavericks in 2011, um, have been loaded with top-end talent. You can build this idea Deal, right? You can build an idyllic uh, dame plus rope, all the rope, golden role players that you want. But the the threshold for winning a championship, and I think we're going to see this play out in the, the the playoffs, is that you just need you need absolute studs. Like the if the Utah Jazz win the championship, it's not like they're not going to be proof that you don't need top end talent. Like they have the best defensive player in the NBA, probably in Rudy Gobert. They have an absolute star in Donovan Mitchell, and they have a, th- a third all star in Mike Conley. Uh, this team is loaded. That's what they are. Like they're just loaded. Um, they they've got an incredible top eight like that's that's and and even then I think people are doubting whether they can win a championship specifically because of the lack of top end talent when they look at the two teams from LA and they look at Brooklyn and they look at they look at Philly and they look at uh Milwaukee like the the I think the experiment makes sense. The The way to maximize what Dame is, what to get the, the most out of Dame is, is longer athletic players, you know, shooting, spacing around him, guys who can play defense on one end and give him room to do what he does on offense and and then like one or two other sort of complimentary guys who when things break down can go get a bucket on their own. Like I think that's what you need. But I think like to actually take the step from like where they are now, which is pretty darn good, like one of the, you know, 10 best teams in the league to 
like one of the three or four best teams in the league is they need they need another top flight stud. They need they just need another really really good player. Uh, as much as I love OG Ananobi and Danny Green, two of my favorite players in the league. As much as I really enjoy uh, Marcus Smart and I've really enjoyed Cameron Payne's Renaissance and Phoenix, like those dudes aren't moving the needle. Those dudes aren't changing anything. Uh, it goes back to the question earlier about like whether I would bet on Anthony Simons and Nazir Little to change to like move the needle and raise the Blazers ceiling. No, I would bet on them being pretty darn good players. But what the Blazers are, you know, obviously they could use a little more depth and get a, and be a little bit better there. But like they're not hurting for being okay. Like they've got an, a lot of guys who can check the boxes and be okay. They're hurting for the next step. And I think this um, this exercise kind of outlines the how the distance from the next step that they might be. All that said, Marcus Smart would be like, he'd be like the biggest Blazer fan favorite um, that you could possibly imagine. I cannot imagine a player more Portland dads would love more than Marcus Smart. Like he is the ultimate, ultimate, your, your dad, or if you are a dad, you, you'd be, you'd have a Marcus Smart jersey before you wanted to order one. It would just show up on your body. You'd be going to nbastore.com like, I gotta get me a Smart jersey. And then you'd be wearing one because Marcus Smart would just, he would incept you into being a giant Marcus Smart fan. All right. Uh, I promised I would explain this uh, a little bit at the top of the show. I am locked out of my Twitter account. Um, There was some sort of uh, security concern last week. And instead of Twitter letting me reset my password. They just locked my account. Um, I'm going on, you know, four or five days without it. So um, for future mailbags, for right now, if you're a tw- if you're someone who wants to do it via Twitter, send your questions to locked on blazers at locked on blazers on twitter that's that's where it goes or just email the show locked on blazers at gmail.com hopefully i'll have my um account back in the future and we can communicate there but for now if you're tweeting at me at mike g rish i can't really see it i mean i can like search it or whatever and like seek it out but i won't be able to see it in real time it's not easy to find on my phone or whatever um so yeah at locked on blazers is the place to be if you want to contact me for this for mailbags in the future or just email me locked on blazers pot at gmail.com that's the easiest way if you got questions or whatever um want to reach out that's that's where to find me i'm pretty good about responding to emails there so hit me up um Later this week, Blazers played, you know, some massive, massive games, Utah and Phoenix. We will have uh, shows after that one. Efforting a uh, interview for later this week. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it, um, but uh, hopefully we will have, have one of those as well. So it's going to be a fun week, you know, really, really fun week um, to close the season, head into the playoffs. Obviously we'll have tons of playoff preview content as we get there, but they got to get there first. So uh, we will we being the committee of one, Mike Richmond, uh, I will have you covered all this week, uh, bring some friends on and cover some really fun basketball games. I'm looking forward to it. So tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. will be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon. <laughs>